Welcome to the Then and Now podcast, greatest podcast in the world, multiverse, and all those good things. I'm your host, C Diesel. To the left of me, I have Mr. Lelouch V. No, hold on. Let's 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 stop the. In- Otis, right, say right, something right, for me, right, right, Otis. Right. No, 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 Otis. Otis, Otis say something to the fans. fans. Say Otis something to the fans. Uh, I hear hello. that. Hello. <laughs> for people that people that are, are are new to the show, our boy has the crispiest audio that he has ever had now, and I, we can hear his mind. He's on his Earl Jones Jr. shit, you know, Darth Vader type shit, you know. My voice is uh, not that deep. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the the, the compliment. Now, also, uh, I appreciate you fellas for getting this for me for my birthday. I mean, it means a lot. I've been wanting to get more quality, and this is a step in the direction. So, thank you. No, of course, of course. At this one point, out real quick that that Charlie said Otis talk for us, and then as Otis was trying to say a word, Charlie immediately <laughs> spoke on top of his nuts. <laughs> but you do sound crispy as hell, sir. Sound crispy yeah, as hell. Yeah. You do sound crispy as hell. But yeah, guys, thank you guys for tuning in today. We have a really good episode for you guys today. We're gonna be going over a plethora of topics. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started, guys. Um, First and foremost, I guess the thing that's on the thumbnail, the big topic we have to talk about is Andor, the Disney Plus series that just released, starring uh, characters from the original Star Wars movie, Rogue One, being Cassian Andor. Um, I'll let Ethan get his thoughts off first, because me and Otis, I feel like I've already kind of talked about this a little bit with nowhere to understand. We, I'm interested to see what you have to say, Ethan. Right on, right on. So I, um, the, the first three episodes are the ones that have only dropped, but I actually like, I really like the show i know that it's a bit of a slow burn in some ways uh getting to that third episode and we won't get into too many spoilers i guess but the the biggest thing or biggest takeaway i had from this show was the fact that it felt real it felt lived in it felt like the characters mattered it felt like i was actually i could get immersed into it there wasn't such a overwhelming veneer i'm gonna compare it directly to rings of power um, I, I, I apologize, Otis, because I know <laughs> that was, but here's the thing because he's so crispy now, we can hear his groans in full. <laughs> uh, the, the the when it brings up power, that veneer was so present, and the, the slow motion they used, and like the it just felt artif- the artifice was too overwhelming for me to ever get lost in it. And the characters never felt like characters, they felt like caricatures or uh, high school play type of people pr- trying to pretend yes. to be thespians portraying Tolkien's work. This feels very, very real. This made it feel as um, old school like Star Wars, like where you, where you feel like you're in a fantasy as much, but they're not trying to do that. They're trying to show like, what if you were in a dystopian war-ravished world and you were but a street, but a street urchin trying to survive and you, you completely get lost in that. So I really, really appreciated that about this show. Um, I also love the music, but that's another thing altogether, but so I, I enjoy my time there. I know it's there's different strokes for different folks for different reasons. Cool deal. But I did enjoy the world itself. Yeah. Um, for me personally, the show, it, it's I, I can tell by watching the show, there's a lot of thought process and a lot of effort that went into making the show and a lot of attention to detail. Um, I guess a couple of fun facts that I found out. The language that the kids speak on the planet when you encounter them this yeah. without giving away too many spoilers that's an original language that the cat like the writers they created that language from a compilation of other languages that they feel mashed together over time so it's like it's, they wrote they created their own language for the show which is interesting okay. as well as the fact that they took a lot of different stuff from a lot of different parts of star wars lore so they they've been extremely detail oriented with this show 
Um, the quality of acting is there. The actors are all top notch and from uh, great other shows that HBO and has had. I think one guy came from, he was from the Batman. He was the commission, not the commissioner, but Gordon's original boss in the Batman. He was that guy. Um, it's the only thing I feel like it's lacking. It just doesn't have, maybe it's just because it's a slow burn. I'm just not captured by it. I'm not captivated by the show yet. It's it's cool and I can see its quality there, but I can easily have my attention like deterred somewhere else while watching this because it's not capturing me quite yet. And yeah. Andor, to, like, the, the main character isn't the most captivating to me yet. I'm not 100% on board with Cassian yet, nor are the villains and the antagonists that they're showing. Maybe they're not the final antagonists, but as, up until this point, the antagonists we've seen haven't really captured me either. So I'm, I'm looking for something to grasp onto, and I just haven't found that yet. I completely understand that. And I, I mean, to cut you off, oh, I completely understand what you're saying because it really, mm-hmm. it's almost like we haven't even seen, it's almost like the start, the show just got started at the end of episode three mm-hmm. in a way. Like, we still don't know what the actual real plot is. We don't really, uh, spoiler alert, some of the main characters, like Stellan Skarsgård doesn't show up until episode three. So it's like, it's like the show is finally kicking off now. It's almost um, going into, into Charlie and Jeffrey's book. They have a comic book called Episode Zero. So the first book isn't really even about the story yet. It's kind of the, the preamble to the real story. These right. first three episodes are kind of like episode zero leading up to the real thing, I think. So, so I get mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Otis. Right. So, I mean, um, this series, uh, these three episodes took me two days to watch because uh, after watching the first episode, I was like, why the fuck am I watching this? <laughs> uh, the pacing was uh, really slow. It didn't really grasp me at all. I didn't really feel connected to any of the characters. Um, but when I came back to uh, Freshly the second day, and uh, I watched that first episode uh, and then went on to watch the second and third. Um, I, I, I started to feel more for it just because uh, the tone of it, the feel of the show is so far outside of the norm of what you get in Star Wars. Like in Star Wars, you, the, the characters are so grandiose that, you know, they feel like kind of like almost like they're levitating above everything. Like and there's there's not like they're not a part of the background They're the background is just there. This is the first time I was watching the Star Wars series and like, oh no, this is this is it. Like the background is their life. Like, mm-hmm. you, and you're really getting to see how it feels to live in the slums that we, uh, of uh, Empire Reign Plenty. You know, uh, and I, I really feel like they were trying to do a little bit of symbolism here with the Empire because I mean, like, have they ever worn blue uniforms like that before? Like, are they trying to, you know? So those uniforms, they're, 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 not, they're not a part of the Empire. That's a privately owned company that the Empire okay. brought in. But okay. it's obviously, it's, I mean, I, I see what you're getting for. Oh, go ahead and say what you're, what you're, what you're yeah. what like they, yeah. they, they felt like the ops. Like, they felt like <laughs> yeah. um So I, I feel like there's a, they're, they're, they're trying to draw a few parallels there. But I mean, this is the first real story that, like, I felt like, Okay, like this is this is a world of Star Wars. Uh, like you got some of that when uh, in like the Star Wars Clone World series, but like in like the movies, you don't really ever feel attached to a, a planet or an area. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like you you get that in this. Um, yeah. And also, it's like uh, this this feels like you know, uh, what's the movie to compare this to? I don't know, like uh. Blade Runner, but yeah, I know you're not a fan of that series. No, it, it doesn't feel like Blade Runner to me. It feels, it, it, I mean, this this feels more like a spy thriller, but within a space world. So I guess, I mean, I guess that would be Blade Runner. I don't, I, I don't know, but 
like I said, like it, it doesn't have the, the the usual feel of just the overall gradiosity that a normal Star Wars thing has. And uh, I, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. It hasn't like like I can't really say like this is like the uh, a good thing just yet, but it has made me feel something for this world. So I'm mm-hmm. looking to see where where it goes. Yeah, I, I I do agree with both of y'all actually because it is the it is a very slow burn and I saw I recognized that it was a slow burn. I recognized it would probably lose some people, which is why they put three episodes up as opposed to the first one. Um, and to get back to what oh just you know the first one is like it opens up kind of more interesting, but then it kind of like nothing happens afterwards. But the the thing about it is, and we won't get into crazy spoilers, but it very much is a parallel to our real world and also the idea of like <laughs> let's say Cassium's I don't know straight up. A minority, and mm-hmm. let's say that these these uh, authority figures were straight up. I don't know. In blue, these were boys in blue, and something happens, and they're like, "We don't care about righteousness or justice." Where it's like, okay, it, so that like, that felt very real. Uh, yeah, yeah, too real, too real. So it's so, so <laughs> even to the point where there's a <laughs> there's a scene where basically old boys uh, boss is like. Blaze out all the wrong things that these popo, these space popo did, and he's like, "I don't give a fuck. I'm still." It's like, "All right, then. That's what we are. That's what we are." So, yeah. so it's a so watching it from my perspective as a grown ass black man, I was like, "Okay, I can, I can kind of, even though Cassian isn't the most charismatic, charming character, he's definitely not like a Han Solo. I can relate to him, and I can relate to his plight and his struggle." And at mm-hmm. the end of episode three, when it's doing that beautiful borderline anime level like kind of a montage with the music and everything kind of showing as he, things are happening with the yeah. music playing which we, I, I watched I watched multiple times because I'm an anime fan that really I really that really hit with me as far as like mm-hmm. I have to I have no choice but to accept my circumstances and deal with it kind of thing so mm-hmm. that's why I'm in I'm on board for this series it is not perfect by any means but I'm willing to go on for this ride because I do want to see how it unfolds and we know, I mean obviously we know later on with Rogue One but still as far as with mm-hmm. the show how it unfolds that's all yeah to get into like two things that I because I kind of brought in cons but two things I liked about the series one point kind of piggybacking off of uh Otis's point earlier I, I like the grounded grittiness of it um I think when it comes to recent uh products they made with like the Mandalorian I think that's been like the calling card of the recent Disney Star Wars stuff is they actually spend time on each planet you're on to kind of build world build a little bit versus other original Star Wars stuff. It's like a galactic thing where they don't spend too much time on one spot outside of like the places that you see that are iconic, like Tatooine or like a Coruscant, places like that. Um, but them them spending time on each one and kind of building out the world has been really dope. Like, granted, uh, even with Boba Fett, that wasn't the best show, but the thing I liked about that was that you really got to see Tatooine and for that moment in time and that time period and what it was and know what that world was like and what that town was like. Um, and each of these towns and each of these shows feel different than one another. They don't just seem like carbon cutouts of each one. There's personality there. This one specifically, the thing I thought was cool when the boys in blue were invading town or whatever else, the people like took the signs down so they could navigate the city and they like banged on metal. That was like, like each, like the city had its own personality that I really enjoyed with the people and the way it went about. Um, yeah, even with Andor, uh, Cassian himself, he has quirky things that I like um, about him somewhat. Exactly. His blaster, first and foremost, I like Zai. his blaster. Yeah, sorry, Zyback. What up, Zy? Uh, yeah, Zy. 
uh, yeah, his blasters. I don't. I ain't gonna lie. He's probably has. He probably has my favorite blaster I've seen. Yeah, so, I, so I, right. I hadn't seen it, it was before. Smooth. You were much it was smooth. Yeah. The road, yeah. like the rotating, like reloading clip, was like cool. I, I think up until this point, my favorite blaster is probably Han Solo's because it's a it's a damn cheat code. If you play sure. uh, Battlefront Two, sure. um, yeah, yeah, it is. It's broken as hell. Also, it's like a Luger from the um mm -hmm. the too. But yeah, but yeah, that, that so there, there are things in the show that I like, and I'm not gonna write it off quite yet. I'm I'm excited to see where it goes because I'm a Star Wars fanatic. Um, I'm still waiting for you know you know what I'm waiting on. I'm waiting on this, the Soka stuff and the Sith stuff and all that stuff that I'm always that I'm that brought me in initially, but. Yeah. I, for what it's worth with this show, I'm I'm enjoying it. I want to see it, see where it rides out. Yeah, and that's fair. Again, that that really I I can't knock any of y'all's opinions on that. It's I think what mm -hmm. it is really is that it's if it do feel like it's it is an actual slow burn. It is actually building towards something, and the actual acting, the characters, the portrayals, it felt real enough. Uh, I hate to keep on actually. No, I love doing it. I love bashing Ring, Rings of Power. Rings of Power it never <laughs> felt like it was going anywhere. Is it's, it's like what is the point of this? This is still feels like it's building towards something. It may be slowly building, but it is building. It does have payoffs in a way. So, so I'm willing to keep stay on board for it. Um, yeah. To anyone watching, I mean, if you are going to uh, take on this series, uh, legitimately spend your time and go through all three episodes. Because uh, for me, like I said, it, it didn't really grasp me until a specific rant in the third episode mm -hmm. when uh, Andor was talking to. Uh, I, I don't remember. I didn't really catch his name, but uh, yeah, he, I forgot his name. Yeah. But the uh, contact guy yeah, that yeah, we kept on train. Yeah, did they say mm -hmm. his name? Like Luther or Lu something like it's someone with the L. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lu yeah, Luther, Luthien, something like that. Uh, but the the guy that's really going to, I guess, be driving the plot of this story going forward. Uh, there was a conversation between him and like uh, about how pretentious, like you know, the 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 empire were, like you know, just how they approach things, how they view things and I was like you know what I can relate to that because I feel the same way about other groups of people that we're not going to talk about right now but that's exactly right exactly right that's so, that's what helped me yeah that yeah. speech yeah another standout thing with the show the, the directing of this at least these episodes I've seen were beautiful like especially that third episode like the shot they when they clipped in between his mother at a young age seeing him young and then seeing him old I was like and that close-up shot where they're zooming in on him, but the lights getting, I'm like, damn, this shit is really well done. And like, there's a lot of thought that went into it. And that that's yeah. when I really copy. And like you yeah. said, the music, you already know what me and music and stuff. Y'all think the yeah. boy, uh, the, whoever directed this, like saw Boys in the Hood? Cause like, <laughs> <laughs> like Ricky, Timmy, Ricky. Like, I'm just, I'm just saying like, that's, that's what I'm There's no, yeah, of course, I mean, John Singleton. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the, so the obviously the director of this is the same dude who did like with Born Legacy and some other things too. Uh, and th didn't he? I think he was involved with Rogue One. I don't think he directed it, but that's Gavin Hood. But uh, yeah, this, this feels cinematic overall. Mm -hmm. It feels cinematic. It doesn't feel like cheap knockoff, quick fling. And I don't mean to bash Boba Fett, but Boba Fett sometimes the sets. Oh. Felt like you're on sets, or it didn't feel as you know grandiose in the right way. Even though this is grandiose, it feels very grounded and very real mm -hmm. at the same time. Side note, too, since we're on the topic, I'm glad we're seeing just more black people in this verse in general, just like around. Yeah. We went like three whole movies without seeing like almost any of them, and then I don't even know how many I saw in the prequel trilogy. And then now they're just like around everywhere, they're just like chilling. I'm like, oh, yeah. thank god, they're just here. We don't have to have a reason for them, or they're just part of the verse. 
it's a more diverse world in general. Because, like, I mean, same thing with uh, E's favorite show, Rings of Power. I, sir, it it took them what six movies to uh, (laughs) start putting in black people. Yeah, I don't know how many thousands of thousands of years where that happened. Yeah, another fun fact I found out do you guys remember in Game of Thrones the one ice giant that was like seven feet tall, like the one tall ice giant? Yeah, yeah, that would walk mm-hmm. with them. So that guy plays the monster that he talked to in this show. He's like a, I guess, an actual oh, seven foot three yeah. actor. Like, is they put the seven foot three guy in prosthetics that's and let him dope. talk in this one? That's dope. I was yeah, like, he, damn, he so. do much, but yeah, he's there. He's definitely there. That's mm-hmm. dope. They, they're doing a thing with this show. Where they're like, they're letting the voice actors, like, they're letting the people that puppet the droids and voice actors actually letting them like actually speak instead that's of just awesome. having them in prosthetics. I thought it was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. That's that's mm-hmm. what, I think that's a, a bigger part, another part of evolution as far as acting and things of that nature, is letting the people that are behind the the prosthetics and in the puppeteering kind of get some uh, some some, not- some notoriety, some some credit for some things. Uh, they let the mm-hmm. dude who um, in years past they wouldn't do this as far as a movie premieres, but for Prey, that Predator film. The actual mm-hmm. guy who was in the Predator suit actually went to the premiere also, and they actually they mm-hmm. were seeing him just to let him know he actually yeah, he's a real actor who's involved with it, which has never been done before. So Seriously, uh, that's never yeah. been done before. <laughs> really? Yeah, I feel like didn't the guy that uh, that was Darth Maul didn't he go to the premiere? Well, I mean, I mean for the Predator movies, Predator. Oh, movies. Predator movies. Not, oh yeah, I'm not, I don't know about. I, of course, all the yeah, Ray Park yeah. was the name and stuff. But I mean, like for Predator yeah. movies, the guys that were the Predators had never gone to them before. That's wow. why. Wow, the person that was. Being the character that the movie is named after is not coming to the premiere of the movie. The premieres, but that I mean, like, yeah, that's <laughs> wild. Obviously, Doug Jones for some of uh, Guillermo's movies probably went to the premieres. I'm sure he's he's a name, and Andy Circus for the apes and stuff. But but I mean, as far as guys that are only seen as monsters in these movies that are behind the prosthetics, whether you're almost not not even thinking of them as people, are now getting a chance to actually be people. Like you said, the guy who was a giant. Uh, or a giant in Game of Thrones, and was you know he's actually getting a chance to shine. So I will say, I'm throwing another bone to horror movies. That's been a big thing in horror. Like you always know who's behind the monster. Kane Hodder was like probably yeah. more well known than actual Jason himself when it comes to being the monster in movies and things of that nature. And like yeah. every Jason, like they're all at the booths and all the fans know him. And all I'm saying, but yeah. uh, didn't he do yeah. some wrestling or something? Kane Hodder, no. I don't believe no, so. I'm real bad because this is the first time I've ever heard this name. Well, Kane Hodder. Yeah. <laughs> it's, if you're in the circle, yeah, yeah Kane Hodder. Because yeah. it was a whole thing where they're trying to do Kane Hodder versus uh, mm. the uh, Jason, Rock Friday, Freddy, for that Freddy versus Jason. But yeah. then they didn't use him, right? They didn't use Kane Hodder. Yeah, he wanted. So there's been, I think, like three or four Jasons over the lifetime of the movie series. But I think Kane Hodder's done the most. And he's like the original one, I believe. Because um, he's, he's a little older now, but he's a taller dude that's done it. Um, and they've had each dude they've had come in and do it. I think they've, I think and a lot of them have crossed over and done, I think Michael Myers as well, and then some other horror movies here and there. But in the horror genre in general, like usually the behind the scenes people are just as popular, if not more, than a lot of the people that are on screen, like Savini and things of that nature. Like well, Savini, Savini did a, Savini is yeah. There. yeah, which but, I can't uh, think of any other like special effects makeup artist on that level that's just as well known as Tom Savini. No, and he even got uh, a massive, of course, shout out in that show Lock and Key that you and I watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But um, but yeah, I know because the, the originally who was over off topic, but who cares? But Kane Hodder and Robert England actually became friends over the years from it's Freddie and Jason, and they mm-hmm. were trying to get Freddie versus Jason made for a long time before it actually happened. And then by the time it did happen, like you said, Kane Hodder basically aged out a role or whatever it was, but right. they didn't use him, and he was upset about that. So. 
It was what it was. But yeah, to get back to Andor, and I guess officially rate the. Do you, do you even want to rate the first three episodes, or do you just want to kind of let it ride and uh, see, come back to it where it's going? We come back. I guess we can. We can come back. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll do like a full-on episode review, uh, season review of it when it's finished. That's fair. Yeah, season mm-hmm. review. Yeah. Got you. Uh, we we can rate Rings of Power now. Is there what's what's below zero? I've only seen the one episode. So I'm not saying nothing yet. Y'all watched. I've only seen the one. <laughs> I've seen four, and I'm just like, why did I watch these? It went downhill that fast. It's not terrible, but it's not good either. It's like, really it's, good, it's, like it's, it's yeah. That's why we liked the first episode. That's what's crazy. I remember when we talked about the first one, we liked it. I did not like the first episode. I, I thought it was okay. I fell asleep. I, it took me multiple as long as it took Otis. Yeah, it to was watch. the second episode that uh yeah, I enjoyed. Episode. The first episode was like, why the it feels like a drama club show. Like yeah. it feels like these are just a bunch of theater nerds that have like that weren't talented enough to get into the big movies and they just came and did this. That's what they're watching that show feels like to me. Damn. <laughs> yes, as, as, but the thing, yeah, you're hundred percent right. <laughs> so much I love how much time we're spending bash this, but the thing about it is that it's not like them <laughs> yeah that's what it is see's eyes right the problem is is people it's fan fiction obviously this is not tolkien did not write this uh he, he, i know he wrote the similarity and all that kind of stuff but he did not write this story so this is all fan fiction and it's people that are trying to sound like tolkien making a series or writing a story but that aren't tolkien and they're people trying to they're trying to portray characters in tolkien's world that aren't actually really there so mm-hmm. it's just all comes across hollow <clears throat> that's the problem it's all hollow all right. Well, to, to you know, talking about things that are hollow and you know a little creepy, we're gonna move on to uh, yeah, segueing into. I guess we'll make it a segment now because I was kind of fighting making it a segment, but Ethan was very adamant on getting an intro for it, and making it a segment. So I'm bringing to the Then and Now channel some my own segment now, uh, and we will start that now. So, how deep you going with these conspiracies? It's all day. What are we doing? Oh, this is Kind of a scary story, I guess. Over here, I'll get down deep and dug and look for a good couple of things that thought would be interesting. And this one stood out to me in particular: uh, the story of the man Florid. Are you guys familiar with the story? Nope. Which I'm sorry. Which say it was the man story of which? Your, your audio cut out a little bit there, Dev. What'd you say? Yeah, the man from Torrid. Oh, the no, man no. From nope, never heard mm-hmm. of it. So, essentially, this goes back to 1954. And during this tale, there in Hanada, in the Hanada Japanese airport, there's a man dressed really well in a full suit, really well groomed. He flew into this airport. And when he was getting his card stamped, they noticed that his passport was kind of off in a sense. If you look here, his passport says that he's from the United Kingdom of Torrid. For people that do not know, this is not an actual place that exists in the world at all. More, more so, more interesting uh, further is that this man also was speaking multiple languages. French, his main language is French. He also spoke Japanese and Spanish. And when they showed him a map, because he was, he was very perplexed in the fact that they did not know where his home country was. So they brought up a map and he said, point to where your country is. Right. And he pointed to a country 
that was, I think it was Anada or Andromeda or Drona. I can't pronounce it quite well, but it's a territory that's between Spain and France. Tor did not exist on this map. So in order to, even Stranger, when he looked at his passport, they saw this passport had been stamped at multiple countries throughout the world. So he'd successfully traveled throughout the world and has had no issues prior to this. He'd even been to that same Tokyo airport multiple times. So in an effort to kind of control the situation and maybe not make it a domestic terrorism or anything of that nature, the Japanese authorities took it upon themselves to take this man and place it in the seventh story of a hotel building and keep him surrounded by guards. Until they figured out what was going on with that. That is wild. The crazy thing is, I think a couple hours go by, and when detectives come to find this man and interrogate this man further, he had vanished. No! Had so people tried to people tried to figure out where he went because again, he's on the seventh story of a building, so he couldn't have gone out the window. People would have seen guards. him, and he would exactly he's surrounded by guards. So he just vanished from the room, and nobody knew where he came from. Uh, this has been a thing that since again 1954, people have been trying to figure out where Tord is or why this man thought it was Tord. The theories are that it was, we live in, again, the parallel dimension type deal where Tord is a country in a parallel dimension where I guess sometime, somehow he went through a wormhole possibly and ended up in our dimension and maybe he went back to his dimension. We don't know. But that is the theory that we have for the show today. What are your guys' thoughts on this? I mean, I believe in parallel dimensions. I mean, I, I believe in alternate realities. I mean... Yeah, I'd be, I wouldn't put it past it. I don't know how he got here in the first place if he was from somewhere else, but I mean, stranger things have happened. I I love it. I love it. I This is fantastic. I had never heard of this. Uh, I I agree with, oh, I, I do believe in uh, parallel dimensions and uh, things that are just beyond our understanding, maybe capacity. I, I don't, most artists and storytellers do. So it's, it's this is amazing. Um, I don't have a, any kind of real theory about what could possibly where he could what he is or what happened to him and like that. But I love the idea that he wasn't trying to be sneaky or clandestine when he went to the mm-hmm. airport. He was like, "Here it is." Like it's, so, to him, it's like whatever this being was, this was just another day for him. And it, it, he said he had done it several times before. So for whatever reason, he may have slipped into our dimension. And we caught him briefly, and then he slipped back. Uh, that is fascinating. By it's interesting. The interesting part is again, like he was not again, like you said, he wasn't sneaky. He was just genuinely surprised. Like, and the country to him, to like in his words, Torrid had been a country had been around for over a thousand years. Sure. So he's like, it's essentially like if Otis was to fly from Buffalo to Chicago. Or no better example, it's like him flying from Chicago to like Florida. And them saying Chicago doesn't exist and it's never sure. existed. And he's like, Well, I grew up there, I've been there my entire life. Yeah. They're like, No, sir, look, we Chicago's not a place. And like, and he's, it's weird. So, so it's interesting. That's that's the real story. Well, that's one of the stories. What would you do if you were him? If you're like, if the if the authorities stop you, like your your home that you're trying to tell us about doesn't exist. Like, talking about I've been there, I have evidence on my passport. I it, show me a map, I, I can tell you where it's supposed to be. It's like I don't understand. What would you what would that happen to you? You'd be like my world is a Mandela effect. I don't know what's going on here, people. Like, mm-hmm. what, would you, what would y'all do in that scenario if you were him? Uh, exactly what he did. Uh, Vermoose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> pull, pull up, pull up. Batman, <laughs> yeah. Can Nightcrawler just? I'm out. I'll see y'all later. That is, I I lose my mind. Because the thing is, just hitting being hit with the realization that 
in a way everything you believe to be real in some capacity might not exist. It's like what? Even scarier because it's casual. Like there's no explosion. He didn't see any like wormhole. He just like got off the plane and just where he's from never existed. Right. There was that show. Um, do y'all remember that NBC show? Or NBC, ABC. Oh, yes. The one, the flight. I think the show's named like at the at the flight number. Yeah, it's like disappeared or whatever else for like, yes. years. Yeah. like five years or something like that, and then just yeah. lands. And mm-hmm. the people got the plane like completely unaffected. They haven't aged for like five years, and like, what are you talking about? What's what's going on here? And um, it's kind of like it's like to for on your end for a massive mystery to have happened to unfolded, and there's no possible signs of an answer. And you're just like, I don't understand. Why is my life? I mean, like, like what would you do if you woke up tomorrow, or Charlie or Otis, in Japan, and they're like. We're talking about there's no America. You're like, what? It, it's just that idea of just being <laughs> damn, bro. <laughs> that, went, that went darker than I thought. It wasn't even darker, right? Yeah, that's I, I lose my mind. I don't know. I, yeah, that it's weird, man. Awesome. But that is the conspiracy for today. We'll probably bring this segment back at some point, but please bring it back. yeah, please, please, yeah, please, please bring it back. back. I gotta do some more research and find some more stories. I, again, you guys know I love horror, I'm a horror fan, so anything that's creepy, scary. I try to influence that and bring it to the show in, in spurts throughout it. But that's yes. all I have for you guys today. And also, I'll reverse to that. Uh, and also, we're um, is Halloween's coming up. Halloween is a holiday that all three of us enjoy very much for different reasons. So we have some stuff coming down the pipe because of that, in honor of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Moving on uh, to, I guess, I guess we can call it the last topic today that I have for you guys, since we didn't have a lot. Uh, it's something interesting, and we kind of have these conversations on a daily basis, but I thought directing that towards a particular thing would be nice. So obviously, we know that Superman stories, for me personally, I don't, I can't speak for the other two, are usually relatively uninteresting and kind of boring to me. Uh, again, the more interesting stories that he has within his comic runs are either when he's evil, like the Red Sun, or when he's getting murdered, like in Doomsday. My, the question I pose to you guys, probably we'll go to Ethan first since you are the expertise when it comes to writing. What, what do you think are the difficulties when it comes to writing a Superman tale in general? And what do you think would be the best Superman tale to write? Like what kind of arc would you take him on? So I think both of y'all are, are storytellers in different veins, though. And you're also very mm-hmm. observant about storytelling. Uh, get, that, get that out of the way first. But the, to address your first question, Dev, the hardest thing to write is a character is a compelling or believable flawed character. When I say flawed, I don't mean like, uh, or a character that has a flaw. Um, and I don't mean like for Superman, people think, oh, his flaw is kryptonite. No, his flaw is a kryptonite. His flaw is that he, he wants to be human, that he yearns to be something he cannot be. Uh, mm-hmm. And it bothers him on a, all the time, basically. Uh, he's trying to be, he's trying to, he's a giant man trying to fit in a Clark Kent suit and it's not gonna happen. So any story that actually deals with his actual internal struggle that he wants to be something he can't be is inherently relatable. Uh, but the problem is most writers don't want to do that. And most audiences don't understand that that's what makes him more interesting. So you have a lot of stories that feature him being more bombastic or more trying to face bigger, stronger bad guys in a fist fight, uh, which may look pretty, I guess, on a page or a movie screen, but isn't nearly as um, immersive. Uh, or engaging ultimately, so that's the kind of the the double edged sword dealing with a character like an NLP character like Superman. Someone like Saitama or One Punch Man works because he's aware of his flaw and he, he sees it all the time. There's episodes that deal with him like showing him in a paradise where he's he's dreaming about fighting people that he can actually fight for a while. He can't beat them. 
and he wakes up and he's like, fuck, I, I'm still OP as hell. Uh, so there are ways to deal with super quote unquote Ubermenches or super, Superman characters where they are still dealing with their flaw or have a flaw. Um, what funny thing about that too is you could, you could argue that Batman is an Ubermensch of sorts. He's way too smart. He's way too capable to be existing. He's not realistic really. Um, mm-hmm. the, the idea is the, the cheat code we use is so he can, if he gets shot or something like that, or he bleeds or he can't fly, he has to use gadgets for it. But there are so many parallels between the two characters. It's like, well, it's a, you're using the same cheat codes. You're just slightly altering a few things, a few details. Um, mm-hmm. As far as your second question, Dev, I know I'm rambling. I apologize for that. The, no, that's the point of it. Great, man. But the, the best kinds of stories, I think, that, as I mentioned before, the best kinds of stories for Superman characters um, are the ones where we see him actually dealing with his struggle. I know Man of Steel got a lot of grief, but the, I, I think it's undeniable that the beginning part of that movie where it shows him like, well, how would you feel if you were, if you felt like you were just alone in the world and didn't know what to do? All of us, all of us, blurs, white folks, gorgeous women at one time in our lives felt like we were alone and didn't know what to do with our lives. Uh, and that's very relatable. So making, making an Ubermensch feel relatable in some capacity is the golden rule. If you can do that with any character across the board, your story should have it, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's a problem that some stories just don't do. I think that's the, the fastest way to lose your audience is to make the character feel unrealistic. Rings of power, cough, cough. So that's the thing. If you can make Superman show him struggling in a way that is relatable, you will get the audience time, 10 times out of 10. But most writers, and I'm not trying to bash DC writers, but I'm just saying that they it may be that from the higher ups are saying we don't want that. We want the, the bombastic stuff and I'm going to deal with that instead. All right. Otis? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll take it from the, the, a little bit of a different direction than what he said. Uh, give him villains that actually like question, make him question his own righteousness for one. Like, you know, like don't just like put the wrong person out there. Like maybe you put a person that he is uh, give him like, you know, like, okay, like the best scenario I've ever seen Superman put in where he was like really psychologically like hit, at least in my opinion, was uh, an injustice one, you know, the Joker hit him with uh, the souped up uh, uh, fear gas and made him that lowest was uh, find ways to really like put him through some trauma psychologically. Like, I mean, he, he uh, I mean, he's not a human, but I mean, he's still a person that has emotions and feelings. That's what he cares about. Like, put him in some real scenarios where, like, as strong as he is, he can't things to uh, fix the situation. I mean, like, put him in some real things instead of just, oh, another really, really, really strong guy. Now you got to go plus Ultra again. Man, yeah. Right. 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 Uh, for me, I kind of, I guess I'm going to be in the similar vein of uh, my two acquaintances here i think again i think the problem with him is the same problem kind of problem i have with captain america where the writers i guess more so because he if correct me if i'm wrong but i believe the, he was created by two jewish men during like world war ii right like he was supposed to be the like leading north star for the jewish people like he's supposed to be the impenetrable shield and like the hero and no i think way, in yeah. in him doing that i think over time they made that character too perfect to where he just makes all the right decisions. He always has the great moral and ethical decisions. Um, and I think he really shines in, in in scenarios where he does not have that with Injustice, the Red Sun, 
for me, one of my favorite ones being um, uh, being Smallville, where he's literally just a teenager and living a teenager thing. For me, the perfect story with Superman would be something similar to Smallville, but one a little bit better written. And two, he even in Smallville, like he makes some things that teenagers would do, but he still was ethically always right and morally always right. Like there are characters that will come into the show, whether it be like the Flash or other people like that, and they'll have their either revenge story or their selfish thing that they want to do. And he's always just the one like, no, you can't do that. It's not right. You have to do the right thing. I'd like to see Superman, I guess, be a human being without the moral guidance of uh, Martha and uh, I can't remember his dad's name. Johnny, Johnny, Kent. Yeah. Johnny Kent. Yeah. Having having him just do him and just be a regular, like not be to the same degree of like injustice level where he's just evil, but just be a regular person without the super moral compass where you make the same mistakes that regular people make, but your mistakes are higher have greater consequences because of your power and the things that you do to affect your world. Sure. That'd be me and my personal favorite Superman story. I, same thing with Captain America. Again, maybe not to the same extent because he's not as strong, but again, just don't always make the right ethical choices and the right moral choices because it makes you seem. For me, it, it comes across very unrelatable, right? Because right. no human being is always make. Even the best person is going to make ethical and moral mistakes that they mistakes. normally wouldn't see as the best thing to do just because you're a human being you make those mistakes i i, I completely agree i agree with both of y'all actually mm -hmm. but I, yeah i i think it would be fun a as otis said for the show to see him go up against character because that's it's something that they do in batman a lot is they have the characters do challenge him in different ways as far as like psychologically or, or mentally physically they they put him to the, through the ringer in things that he thinks he's good at and he gets tested mm -hmm. in those in those areas uh and i guess dev said or charlie said yeah, uh, make kind of in a way show the journey that Superman goes on to. This, uh, for all of us, we learned we had to learn the difference between right and wrong. We weren't born with an all mm -hmm. with an all powerful compass that told us what was absolute. We had to learn those things. We had to make mistakes, and Smallville does touch on those. It actually does show Clark making mistakes from time to time. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it maybe is more nuanced writing. But I, mm -hmm. I, I, it would be one of the things I like about anime is that it does show characters. Even the best of characters making mistakes. I mean, Goku is praised kind of like being the par the parallel to Superman. That dude is borderline the villain of that series. We all know that. Uh, the fans know that. Uh, and it's, it, it's a, but also I, I'm a big fan of My Hero Academia, and that it kind of shows the Superman figure in his last in his final days. Spoiler alert! And it shows the newer character, his, his heir, having to deal with things. It shows him having to grow up. Like, how do I? It shows his learning curve essentially. If they had shown Superman having to deal with a learning curve properly, that could have been really interesting. Um, even or Captain America too. So I agree with what you're saying. All right, I think that plays into like why Batman's probably. I mean, maybe you can make the argument, but I think he's like the most popular DC character, and that's more so because he's a human being, and through he has infinite amounts of stories where he's either an asshole, he's over controlling, he's narcissistic, he's has a borderline mental health issue where he's just determined to save lives even at the cost of other lives. And him showing he has all these flaws and mistakes as a person, and all these different stories kind of take one of those flaws and make put them into the forefront. And I think that's why Batman's so popular because he's so much more relatable to people. It's he has these problems. He does Rose Keller. Well, that and Rose Keller as well. I think the Rose Keller, but they do what you what you said, Otis. They challenge mm -hmm. him in those ways. Yeah. But let me ask you this real quick though, uh, Dev and Otis. Do you see Batman as moral or amoral? Amoral. I'd, I'd say the same. 
that's, that's what I say too. He's more or less like I'm. It's objective based. It's not. It's the end justifies the means, which he will do things that are you definitely shouldn't do. He he has no problem he's, breaking he's, the law. He's done several illegal things. Yeah, he just that's right. his right. mo is breaking the law over and over yeah. and over again. But it's ultimately to get the brighter, the the greatest good. But he will damn sure he has no qualms about you know literally shattering a guy's body and putting him into a into triage. They'll survive, but they'll be mm. so fucked up. Like, What's the point? <laughs> Live uh, the rest of life in the body, get all their food. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's part of like looking into like the dichotomy between him and Superman too. When it comes to their moral compasses, they both lead to them kind of having at least wanting the same result. But with Superman having the moral compass of his parents teaching him right from wrong, Batman has that trauma of like murder in his mind twenty four seven, which I guess you see it a lot in, like the more recent Harley Quinn episode where he's just reliving it over and over again, or he's kind of doing things out of his like triggering of his PTSD versus it being the right thing to do a lot of the times. And funny enough, you even, he is a mirror to his rogues gallery as well. I like with Superman's rogues gallery, they're all just like conquerors and all that. They're like, they're Hitlers, they're conquerors, they're Nazis and things of that nature. They're like, you have the all good, like the all powerful good guy and the all powerful evil guys. But Batman's rogues gallery is they're usually somewhere in between. Sometimes they'll like be a little bit more evil and depending on the story, but majority of the time in between, they're people that have gone through some kind of traumatic experience and re sometimes react to how most people would. It's, oh, well, I got this power where I'm a clay monster. I'm going to be selfish and do something to make me feel better. Or I am a woman that controls people's minds, so I'm going to have my own agenda. I'm going to use these powers to achieve my agenda, no matter what that is. Right. Most people, well, they get power that they're going to use them selfishly. And then you just have Batman with the selfish... Uh, motivations of his trauma did to counteract that. Right. I mean, that old Arabic saying that you know, absolute power corrupts mm -hmm. absolutely. But it's the, it, mm -hmm. what you said, the easiest way to break it down is that essentially all of Batman's rogues have some kind of a mental struggle, whether it be an illness or just a, 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 a phobia or condition or whatever it is. And Batman is a person who can relate to all of them because he has several mental issues and conditions and he's aware of it too. So oftentimes mm -hmm. you will see Batman one or two steps ahead of you, the people he's fighting because he knows what they're dealing with because he himself can relate to it or understands it. Uh, sometimes he actually will. One of the episodes we talked about before, one of our favorite episodes from just like a limited epilogue, he sits down. It shows him sitting down with, uh, was it Ace? No, it wasn't Ace. It was Ace. Girls. It was Ace. She was one of the Aces, yeah. One of the Aces. And that changed the roster. But mm. he sits down with her and talks to her in a way that no one else could do. And even Waller calls him out, like, yeah, he's able to do that because he has, he's able to sympathize and empathize in a way that other people can't because he has so many conditions to deal with. Uh, and you mentioned soups. Superman is basically, because he is an ubermensch, the world he has, he has to deal with is other dictators, other powerful, power-hungry beasts because that's what he is, essentially himself. However, he's at the opposite end of that spectrum. He believes power should be used to help those that are lesser than as opposed to oppress them. So both of them are dealing with, they're both having to deal with the opposite side of the coin. From themselves in some capacity, mm -hmm. and that makes sense. Yeah, it's okay to mix up coins. I mean, you, you can do other things. It doesn't always have to be right. the grandiose world conqueror coming to take over the planet again for you to save I him agree. again. I agree. I the, right. the, my, one of my favorite. Do y'all remember the episode, the introductory episode, and the Superman show, the Bruce Tim show, mm -hmm. introduced the character Livewire? Yes. Artwork. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. there's a part where she's like essentially on the radio talking to Lois Lane about how Superman is like the, the worst 
And she's talking about how he's never there. He never does, does the job, never helps anybody out. And it shows Superman trying to hold up a crane that breaks. And it's the crane is going to drop down and kill like a, a baby down with down a, a baby and a woman down below. The struggle is actually not that whether or not Superman will survive is whether or not he can get the job done without any, having him get killed. So sometimes it's fun mm-hmm. to watch him essentially as a street level hero, figuring out how can I help the most people in the least amount of time with the least amount of casualties in a way that only Superman can. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing him struggle with that, even in that weird ass, badass movie, uh, Superman Returns. Oh, like, God. Like, oh. I, 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 I'm sorry for bringing it up. But there's, a, but there's one really cool scene where that plane or that it's like the plane slash uh, rocket shuttle is going off and you see Superman trying to figure out how to how to keep that plane from crashing and everyone dying. The struggle is you never worry about him being in danger, but you do worry about everyone else around him. That he's trying to save. Can he save them, essentially? So hmm. it's just like the, the, the scene, uh, just more scenes like how they did in Spider-Man 2, where Super, uh, Spider-Man had to save the train of people. The train. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I guess in that scene you were also worried about his safety too, because I mean, he he passed out from it. But yeah, just but like yeah, creating that that uh that sense of oh, these people might not survive. Like I mean, giving some gravity to the situation instead of just another fight. Stakes, right. yeah, stake actual stakes. Because Superman's not the same as one, as One Punch Man. One Punch Man is never really in danger, but the people around him are. The episode of One Punch Man with the um that's giant sea creature essentially. We're never worried about oh, one or Saitama. It's probably like it's everyone's favorite episode, basically. But the idea is it's like the danger is still there for everyone around, and that's those are the stakes. So having more of that be palpable and real, you know. Uh I think even going back to the Bruce Tim verse, my favorite version of Batman isn't even in that like decade or that time period. If you go and watch Batman Beyond, there is an episode in which Bat they're trying to bring Batman into the Justice League. And you get to meet Superman at that point. And Terry McGinnis is in for his mind. He knows Superman is all powerful. Like what he has been for majority of that universe's run, the all powerful, all strong moral compass. But you get to a point to where you see Superman starting to act out of character a little bit, where he's being a little more jaded and a little bit like. And they get into that shot. I can't remember if he was mind control or not, or if that was just he him naturally over time. Yeah. yeah like he, at least that, yeah. before you find out he was being mind controlled, they pretty much made it seem as though. He had become jaded after years and years of being the all powerful one comes. He's like, I've had enough of that. I want to do things for myself. I want to be selfish for once. I, I've, I've earned that. I deserve that. And you start to see just again what it seems like will be the. I kind of kind of mad that Starro was the one behind that, but it felt like a natural progression for somebody that lived that long with that amount of power and mm-hmm. restricted. It's like if I were to have this cheesecake in front of me, like a pumpkin cheesecake or something, I'm and listening. for thirty years. I know that this cheesecake would taste them. It's like the best thing I will ever eat in my life. But for other people to get their own cheesecake for 30 years, I had to ignore this cheesecake and never touch this thing. By the time I'm like 60 and I'm becoming jaded and I've been around for so long, at some point I want to be selfish and I want to have my own piece of that cheesecake. Everybody else has had theirs. I want my own piece of this cheesecake. And in that, at least for that episode, I, I thought that was like the best, that character had been written in that verse up until that point. Granted, I was kind of sad finding out it was mind control, which usually is with him. It's somebody acting out of character, which is probably why I liked Invincible so much, because when they saw Omni-Man acting out of character, I was like, oh, you got to be mind controlled or something. He's like, no, this is just no. me. <laughs> I did, I did have to act out of character all yet you have known me. Right. Yeah, no, I feel you. The, um, that's a good, good reference. I know we, we've been talking forever, but this is a good conversation. I don't care. The, no, uh, I was going to say that. Like, I mean, the best 
portrayals of Superman are actually not Superman. They're they're Homelander and uh, Omni Man. We, we know this. Oof, Homeland. <laughs> you brought up Homelander, or yes. even Saitama. I feel like Saitama is a good example too of them, uh, or even Captain America more so in the films and the MCU as far as someone that's trying to be righteous in a world that's not righteous. Keep in mind, Captain America does abandon the shield. He literally drops his shield and says "fuck y'all," puts girls in a beer and walks away because mm-hmm. he's like, "This, I'm trying to be a righteous." The <laughs> fair beer but, game. Uh, the beer, that beer game was, uh, was crisp, but the the thing is like I'm trying to be a righteous person in a world that doesn't want that. What am I supposed to do? I'm walking away. Uh, I, I feel like it, like you're saying, Dev. Sometimes it does seem unrealistic for it to be there to be a, that much of a pinnacle of a person like Superman to exist. But he, but the idea with Superman is that he's meant to be. He's always the what what the Schuster, um, Siegel and Schuster, the guys who created Superman, wanted him to be was a beacon of hope. Uh, that 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 last vestige, as far as like when when you think you can't do something, he can almost like a Christ symbol, even though they're Jewish. Um, I think the only way that you can get away with doing something like that is to have is for Superman to actually have breaking points and have low days. But you see that he has he does have a family. He's a support network. When he gets down, when he gets low on himself, whatnot. He's not by himself. He has Lois, or he has mm-hmm. his son now. He has his parents. So those things do happen, and he's able to come back. Batman, in a way traditionally before tried to isolate himself so he wouldn't when he he pretty much stayed in the low stayed in the darkness so he was able that's how he, he worked if anything made him happy or light it would kind of conflict with that that's the whole point of that movie Batman uh mass of the phantasm he's like i can't do my job if i have happiness there too uh so it's uh it's different basis and different mm. styles for characters mm-hmm. well guys uh you have any other remarks or thoughts on this discussion before we close out Good talk. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, and that's the goal, man. I know we didn't have a lot of topics picked out, but again, I wanted to have great conversation. We have these conversations in general all the time, so I thought, why not bring this into the show? It was great. I had fun. I had a blast. Um, Good stuff. Good stuff. Again, church announcements, everybody. Gather around. Children, grams, aunties, deacons, deaconesses. Uh, We have upcoming projects coming up. Again, we've talked about it a lot up until this point, but if you are a fan of books and you want to support us, uh, we have Echelon G Novels here, the the creator and the owner, one of the co-owners. He has been gracious enough to help me and Otis have part of our dreams come true and part of our friends' dreams come true in producing our own very comics. Uh, Otis here has a comic called Briarlands that is currently out with Echelon G Novels. We are working to get that onto the Echelon website and get that sold very soon, along with my uh, myself and my friend's comic, Son of Shiden, which is also on the way and being finished and being worked on. So if you guys like comics and you like supporting independent black creators that do dope shit, go and check it out. Um, at Slangy Novels, I'll probably put it in the link below this video. Um, also, oh yeah, I forgot to put the link to the, the Q&A in here. We have about 10 minutes left. Um, so again, if you would like to come up to the show and have any questions or want to give your own thoughts or answers on anything we've talked about up until this point, I'm going to be putting the the link to this to the the room we're in now into the comments of the youtube channel so if you'd like to come up just hop on over go into the comments click on it and we'll bring you up word yeah, uh, uh question fellas mm-hmm. are y'all caught up on uh, house of the dragon i'm like an episode or two behind oh i'm very caught up i am uh, super caught up i mean can we so we can you t- can tease spoilers right <laughs> i mean the the knight is the op now, like for for sure. Like yeah. uh, sir sir Crant Crant whatever the, whatever the hell his name is, like, that's that's for sure uh, the op. Uh, 
a, a Christian, right? Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to remember his name anymore. Uh, <laughs> I know uh, Tink 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 is still a fan of him, I guess, because like, cause he he's a uh, attractive, but like, yo, yeah. like, what? That's that's for sure the op. Like, how could you snitch like that? That's I, I I I. The thing is, y'all are better at both. Y'all are actually are better at predicting shows and stuff. Like Otis is like too good at it. Uh, shows and movies than I am. I like not knowing things how they're coming along or whatnot. Let me ask you this real quick, O. And I won't get to spoil this, Deb. You're good. Mm-hmm. Did you see what old like the there's a scene in like a wedding or whatnot? Mm-hmm. Did you see that unfolding? That that unfolding in. That that event, that at the wedding, no. Okay. okay, I did not see that coming. Okay, okay, but I mean, it's in typical Game of Thrones fashions. Weddings don't go the way they're supposed. Or I swear to God, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're worse than black weddings when we get wild. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm about to be strapped at my wedding. I dare somebody to stand up when they say, "Do you have anyone that objects?" I, I dare you to stand up. <laughs> I dare you to stand up. <laughs> uh, please. If we're talking about Game of Thrones, right? And the strap won't even keep you safe. You can't. Yeah, everyone's be strapped. strapped. You can't. I'm pulling up can't. in an Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make sure, yeah. Don't be strapped. You be suited up. Yeah, be suited up. Yeah. I, I, I the thing is, I know, uh, Deb, you already know this. How they're doing it? They're doing a time jump uh, tonight in tonight's mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. So we won't go into any details about what happens before. But uh, it, it, I, I'm, I am so eager to. I know you don't like time jumps, Otis. But I feel like this time jump may work bizarrely well because it's like it's so much has happened. You know, so much had to have happened. It's so mm-hmm. much lit up. It's like I, 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 oh, I'm, I'm, I'm chopping at the bit to, you know, uh, to, to see it. it really yeah, is. I mean, just to see the transition because I mean they, they've shown some trailers of it, so this isn't spoilers. But like you know, Rhaenyra and uh, her her once friend now being antagonistic towards each other. I'm just looking forward to seeing exactly how we got to that point. I mean. And just, we know some reasons, right? I mean, yeah, we know a few, but I mean, yeah. to get to that level, like the the heat that they showed in those trailers, I was like, okay, heat. Hey, <laughs> it was crazy. married to his cousin. That's a little weird, but I mean, right? Yeah, there's so much. There's so much. I love it, man. It's it's a. Is she I'm black? So glad y'all made me watch the show, huh? Hmm. Like, she's black, yeah. right? It's, it's I, got, black, yeah. I have friends that like. I look like, hey, bro, I should watch this. It's pretty good. I don't know. I didn't really like Game of Thrones. I couldn't really get into it. I'm like, bro, I'm telling you, this show is heat. It's the best things of Game of Thrones. And as, at least up until this point, they haven't fucked up yet. I'm like, y'all to watch this shit. But no. My homegirl, I think, like, we went to Sam's Club, like, a day or two ago. She's like, we're watching, we're watching the House of the Dragon. It's really good. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. It's like somebody told you to watch that shit, right? <laughs> it's like, shut up. I'm like. You pull out tape recorder. Have you, have you said it to them as actual evidence from, like, four days ago? Yeah. Oh, man, I love it. I keep I keep my accounts. If I tell you to watch something and you say you don't like this shit and I find out you watch it later on and you loved it, I'm, I make that mental note. I mean, yes, yes. you, you've, you've sent in the chat several times. You quoted me saying something that, that was like from two weeks ago. I was like, I said mm-hmm. that? Uh, I'm old. I'm old. Uh, it's one thing yeah. if you watch it and don't like it, but if you say I'm not going to like it and then you end up liking it, nigga, please. I told you so. I told Just, you so. Uh, Charlie has not caught me in that yet. There has not been a thing where I said that it was going to be bad and it wasn't actually bad yet. At least not, not to my knowledge. I but not on the record of the show. I've been right almost every time. What to. Yeah, so I guess the thing is, yeah, you can't. It's not fair to prejudge something and say, but looking at it and say that's me terrible, that's me bad. We shouldn't do that. That's fair. We should get caught out for that kind of shit. However, if 
you're like, I don't know about that. That doesn't look like it's my cup of tea. It's that's fair. That's fair yeah, to like. That's know. fair game. Like if you're unsure, but if you say like, I mean, I know me, I'll be spicy and so like, oh yeah, that's gonna be bad. Like that's for sure gonna be bad. So if it ends up being good, I'll I'll eat that. But yeah, you usually say that looks bad. You will say that looks. Mm-hmm. You don't. You won't just. All right, say that. Yeah, that's gonna. We've be- had that scenario where like we watched the trailer and like he said, I don't think I'm gonna like it. Then he ends yeah, up, like, yeah, at least oh, thinking it's okay. But times. we haven't we haven't got him anything like that yet. No. He'll slip up at some point. Unfortunately, too, usually he says up. that he he's right. Like if he said, I don't think I'm like that. He's usually right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been wrong numerous times. Obviously, it's, it's, it's been documented. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, that's, that's gonna be the weird shit. I've watched videos back, like our older stuff. I'm like, damn, I said that. I thought that. That's crazy. Yeah, it happens. And I'm, all this, all this stuff. Oh, just do that. We all. <laughs> and, 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 part of it too is we want something to be good. We look at something, and say, yo, I want that to be good. I'm excited about that. Let's let's go. Let's dance. Uh, like I, I was for House of Dragons. I, I'm even sure I watched the trailer because I was like, I was so upset after the way the Game of Thrones did. I was like, I don't know if I need any more of this stuff. But they went so far. A removed is very much more of an insular story. It's a very different kind of thing. It has two different showrunners. It doesn't. It's definitely in the world of Game of Thrones, but it's very much a different cup of tea. It's similar to Andor in Star Wars or Andor in like I don't know Boba Fett or whatever. It's like yeah, these are in these are technically the same world, but they're so different that it's not the same thing really. I think that's the I think that's the main thing with you particularly. Like we'll be like. Like you won't like this shit. I have to, the main factor I'll be like, look, me and Otis like this shit. We know you gonna like this. If me and him agree on some shit being good, we know you gonna like this shit. And it was House of, I think House of Dragon was the most recent one. It's most, yeah, it's the most recent. I, I will, yeah. I will almost always at least try something. I will almost mm-hmm. at least try something. I can get snobby about like writing and those kind of things. I know I can. But I will right. at least try something. One thing we do have to factor in before we get ready to go here is there's always a sense of like there's the we have to accept the nostalgia haze or certain things like, or biases. Um, there are shows we've all talked about, like either uh, Bleach or whatever, different types of animes that I know you guys like that you've seen, obviously, when you're younger, you respect. And the veneer of those may be more charming than the actual show. So for a newcomer coming into it, it's like it doesn't, it doesn't quite catch them as much. Like So Bleach, it just didn't hit me. But I understand why it hit y'all. However, mm-hmm. something like Yu Yu Hakusho, which I was very, late, very, very late to. Once I, once I sat down and watched, I said, yeah, this actually is good. It's not just the, the um, nostalgia. So Sometimes it's it can be that you never know what how good no matter how good a show may be to you it still may not hit with somebody else because of A B or C. Hmm. Yeah, and something that you might think is complete trash like uh, Thor four uh, might be seen good to like other people for some well, reason. Have, but, have oh. y'all seen all the like crazy amount of controversy and stuff over Thor four now? It's yeah, like really some people are saying like it's really good still. Some people are saying it's the worst thing ever. It's just. It's somewhere in between. It's not to it's me at least somewhere in between. between. Motherfuckers yeah. said Morbius is better than this. I'm like, stop it. Stop it. it. No, it's not. Let's not yeah. villain alone. Villain alone. Bale, as much we as little as we saw him, is Bale was in a completely better. different movie than the rest of the movie. <laughs> he's in the movie still. He still counts. He's in the movie. He's still his performance. <laughs> having, having a villain, that's like that'd be the essential essentially having like evil Thor. Is what Morbius was. We don't have an evil version. It went back to like 2002, where we have to have an evil version of the character with the no, same. I'm not saying that he was like Dame, Vampire Damon is not a good character. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that like at least it's like I don't, I don't really. I guess it's maybe just my own bias against Thor four. I don't know, but I, at least I could think I would rewatch Morbius at some point to laugh at it. I can't right. even laugh at Thor four. It's just like 
stop existing, please. <laughs> I beg you. I, 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 it's fair enough, man. I, I'm right. I'm close, obviously, with Dev. Where it's, I think it's somewhere in between. It's, I think it's bizarre how much, even with Morbius, the whole it's Morbin time. There's certain movies, there's certain things that get so much hate. Like one, the Woman King, which I think, uh, did you see that one yet, Dev? The Woman Not King? yet. That movie, which I Otis and I did enjoy a lot, that movie's getting a weird controversy because they're saying, "Oh, this isn't this isn't historically accurate." It's like, do you know how many things? Nothing on film is historically accurate. Nothing. All the people that were praising 300, 300 is the most fictional <laughs> version of the version invasion. It's like, so what? What's going on here? Braveheart. You realize that in Braveheart, there's virtually even his name, William Wallace, was in Braveheart. Uh, that was that was Bruce, uh, the other guy. I think his last name. That was actually the Lionheart, the Braveheart guy. William Wallace was in Braveheart at all. So it's like you guys are praising things, award-winning films for being so cool and fun. They were historically wildly inaccurate, and then Woman King comes out, and you're 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 just destroying it. The you're thing that fault. the thing that annoys me about the Woman King and the, uh, the three hundred thing in particular is that they're like, oh, they're, they were uh, that African or the Native Africans took other Africans and sold them into slavery. Like, yeah, we know that we didn't have to show that. With three hundred, you're praising that shit. If they were a hundred percent historically accurate, a lot of those soldiers, majority of them, would be gay. Like a lot of the Spartans. We're gay because they they made them to do so, so they would like protect each other a lot more harshly. But niggas would have a whole flip if they watched this machismo ass movie and all these men were gay and they were fighting yeah. shit. They could but, not handle that shit. And also, they had slaves. They had yes, full of slaves. Yeah, yeah. Reason the reason Sparta uh, fell is because they lost their slaves and they couldn't sustain their, their economy. So it's there's so many things. Again, if we're gonna if we're really gonna if we're really gonna do this. Let's do it openly. Let's do it fairly. Let's go ahead right. and get at it. So that's all I'm saying. That's all the beef I have. Uh, so yeah. Oh, that's that rant over. Yeah. Well, that's everything, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for your support. We hope for your continued support. If you guys are watching us on any of the platforms, we would appreciate it if you go over to our YouTube channel at the Then and Now podcast and give us a sub over there. We are on the road to 1,000 subscribers, so we'd appreciate the help. Um, and again, if you guys like dope shit, check us out. What, what, one last question before we go to tease two things. <laughs> so next week's show, we already know what we're talking about. Uh, something to think about is what is real evil? What does it really look like? <laughs> and, <laughs> and and two, speaking of Batman, we talk about Batman a lot. Would you guys, what do you guys think? Is Bloodborne maybe the best Batman game actually ever made? But, no, it's uh, We'll, we'll, Arkham, we'll, get we'll, get, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Things to think about. All right, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. How do you feel, Amazon, knowing that you spend more money than House of the Dragon, but still, that thing is good? I just got to know. <laughs>